Hi, this is Erica Bogan. Thank you for listening to the I Am Spartan podcast with Scott Knowles. I'm Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. What is up, everybody? Who is pumped about going to Newberry this weekend? I talked to one of my friends that's out there on the build, and he said that this course is going to be a lot like Charlotte and Fayetteville. It's going to be fast and kind of flat with some stream crossings and a little bit of mud. It sounds like Charlotte and Fayetteville for sure. I'm looking forward to it. It's it's a new venue, and I'm all for new venues. Uh, the last time I did a new venue was probably Tryon 2019 because I just I'll usually always go back and do the same venues that are affordable to get to. So looking forward to a new venue, and hopefully going to hit some new venues next year as well, and just get kind of out of my normal routine of the races that I go to. Um, we're probably going to go to Virginia this year, which I haven't done that one in a long time, but I have done it once at Infinity Downs, which was, you know, definitely not as good as uh, Wintergreen, but it was still a fun race for sure. But uh, if you see me at the race this weekend in Newberry, come up to me and say what's up. Got a cool interview here for you. Uh, my buddy Brett that I've been seeing a lot at the past few ultra races that I've done, and I saw him at Palmerton a couple of weeks ago too. Um, I wanted to bring him on and let him tell his story about how he found this a wonderful sport of OCR. He, you may know him from seeing somebody around on course in a T Rex outfit, one of those inflatable ones. That was Brett, and uh, he's going to tell us all about how he started doing that as well. Here's the interview. Brett Milks. Brett Milks, what is going on today, homie? Uh, living the dream. I hear you living the dream. So, Brett, uh, for those of us that don't know, tell us, like, what you do for a living, man. Like, where do you hail from? I hail from Philadelphia. I'm an electrician, and then I'm a cleaner. Right. So I do a lot of electrical work too where I work, but it's pretty much just general maintenance what I do for like some hospital buildings that are offsite. So Yeah, right now we're doing a, a semi hospital where it's by code it's required by a certain type of wire that needs to be ran through the whole building, unlike a regular commercial building. Right. And that wire is a pain in the ass because it has an extra ground in there. It makes it very difficult to cut, and the jacket is more steel than it is aluminum. Well, that sounds aggravating as hell. Well, yeah, your your hospitals have all that in there. So, like, the people who have to redo that, it's a nightmare. Yeah, and most of the time, like, if it's unless it's, like, a small project, like, adding a receptacle here and there, changing a fan motor out, that's probably about the most in-depth we get, you know. Every once in a while, we might do, like, a big project, but we, like, you know, subcontract all the, like, bigger stuff out, you know. 
And I just think it's Which crazy. Makes sense. It's like all your fire alarm stuff now has to be in red conduit, you know? And I'm just like, really? That's kind of crazy. It has to be in red conduit? That's, that's new because we usually do it um, um, uh, PVC or a very, I think it's about a quarter inch rigid. Right. Depending on where it needs to go. It just needs to go from the box up to the ceiling and from the ceiling. It could be exposed as yeah. long as it support it uh, every feet. Yeah, depending I don't know. on what code is. Yeah, I don't yeah, know why. Code. I just noticed that like all of our new builds, they're using like red conduit and they buy it painted already. So I can imagine how expensive that crap is. And it's EMT, you know. Oh wow! Yeah, it's insane. Oh wow! So they they, they probably did it as a uh, dedicated. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely dedicated. Yeah. So that if someone goes in there, they know that right is that that pipe is there. Yeah. So if they need to go back into it, or yeah, they need to fish more wire. That's the perfect one to find instead of trying to fish down a pipe and hope oh, to yeah. find if it's the right one or not. Yeah, it's definitely anything you see that's red like that. All it is is fire alarm circuits. Yeah. I actually like that setup. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier to to deal with. And then with the low voltage, right? It could be you know like the. The Cat Fives and all that's usually blue just make that blue pipe. So now everyone knows that's Cat Five. Yeah. So I don't think like unless they're like going through a wall, I don't think none of our Cat Five stuff is running in conduit. It's all like just sitting on the grid. You know, it's supposed to be tied up. Well, you know, usually there there are. So if you have brick or drywall, they if sometimes they might be conduit down or right. just a uh, mud ring, which they just put on the wall cut the hole, put it in there, and just have it spliced through the back where it's just dangling. But right. it also depends on what the township requires and then what the health, um, the electric inspector requires. You know, some, some of them don't care. Some of them are strict. Oh, yeah. And see, we have to have everything ready for, like, that joint commission, like, survey and stuff where they pretty much look oh. at your whole establishment, like, everything from how the nurses do their job, how the medical records are kept, and... Like, if they see a bad ceiling tile, you know, that has got, like, a leak stain on it, they'll bust us for that. You know, <laughs> firewall penetrations is a big deal, you know, and it's something like every every three years, I think, Joint Commission comes in and does a survey, and that's when we all scramble together and make sure all this shit looks done above the ceiling, and it's a headache. Uh, that's kind of like our uh, building inspector. When yep. they show up, they look at things, but even though it's, it's just a building inspector... And then don't go back and say something to our electric inspector because usually they all show up at the same time. Right. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> Brett, man, I didn't bring you on just to talk about work, man. Brought oh, you yeah. on to <laughs> talk about like how you've been crushing it in some of your races, man. I've been seeing you getting a bunch of like age group podiums, and then you got a couple of wins on some of the trail races too, right? Yeah, I got a couple of elite ones. Uh, haven't really won much this year, so. You know, except for, I think I did Fit Challenge, and then I did a uh, team for Savage uh, for Florida, and I did it with uh, Grit Fitness. And then every race since the Jersey Ultra has been a bust for me. Yeah, didn't you say you were like, having problems aspects. with your back? Didn't you say you were that? having problems with your back? Yeah, I had, it's, it was one of those things that... Um, to back spasms if you sit if you sit down too wrong and then just kind of like twerks 
and I felt it, but it was all, it felt like it was going away. But then when I picked up my ultra bin to jump it off that morning, it tightened up. Oh, and shit. my ultra bin is not that heavy. I, I really don't have much in there. I kind of just a couple uh, snacks and just go right. pretty much almost emptied. And then just didn't agree with me. And then I ran a mile. It's like, okay, this feels. And then I started to start feeling it. And it was starting to get bad to the point where I think I'd make it to monkey bars, which is a mile and a half. I was like, you know what? I might just quit. And then one of my friends said no. And then it dawned on me, if I DNF, then that's a DNF on my record. And I'm not trying to have a DNF. So and I'm walking the whole thing. Wow. That was miserable. I imagine. 11 hours of miserable. I imagine, because that's a rough course to, you know, power hike the whole thing. You know what I mean? Oh, especially especially that ultra loop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I bet you were out and there And then when while. you're at that pitch and then your back is, like, tensed. Man. It's... And then the same thing happened at Fayetteville. I was like, I was good for five miles. I had a good lead, had a good distance, and then... When we went through the, we've been underneath those trees, it started to catch up. Right. And then when we hit that ultra loop is where um, I kind of just didn't really give up. It's just I couldn't, I couldn't uh, use my speed. So basically that was another walk. Yeah. Man, that ultra loop Which, at Fayetteville was rough. Um, I don't think it was that bad compared to... Um, Carolina, nineteen. Yeah. Well, the Ultra Loop wasn't that bad at Carolina, nineteen, but just oh that, no, that was the weather. That loop on Fayetteville this year, and going through that trench, man, and getting there before it was all knocked down. It's like you almost had to figure out a way to maneuver through this creek. It's like one minute you're in the creek, the next minute you're out of the creek. And I was like, well, I guess I'm supposed to be in the creek. And I'm going through the creek, and then there's this huge spider web. And there's this huge spider in the middle of it. And I was like, nope, nobody's gone this way yet. So, Yeah, I was not expecting expecting that, how that was set up. I was like, you know, in my mind, that what I wanted to do is go run the ultra, get that done in six, six and a half hours, and then go run the beast right after it. Right. And, uh... I came off, I think it was like a, an hour and a half short. But I mean, for someone who walked a whole ultra and still made a uh, top 20. Yeah. That was pretty good. Oh, and those mud, the mud pits? Oh. Yeah, they were rough. There was oh, a yeah. lot of them. Especially coming out of the, well, it was uh, the Soul Horse. Yep. And then like in... Um, Corona Traverse didn't help much, especially when you're going on it and all of a sudden it just claps on you. Oh, yeah. I remember because our backs were like almost hitting the ground because the ropes were so loose. Yeah. Because I think we were right there at the same time. Fail, but they allowed it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was where me and you were right beside each other at the same time because I remember seeing you on it and your back was like almost touching the ground. <laughs> well, the volunteer said that it's all good. As long as your feet don't touch. Right, My yeah. hands like, that don't make sense, but you said it, I'm going for it. Well, I mean, you, it was... And it was a lot easier just to do the penalty loop. It was pretty much unavoidable, you know, because 
I mean, the ropes were so slack. And I remember coming up to it and seeing people close to the ground. And I went to the tightest one there was. And uh, I was close, but I never touched the ground. So. Yeah, when um, <clears throat> when I came on my second loop, that's when they were tightening. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to do the pedal loop. Because it seemed like when I see people running, it was very short. It was like less less than a quarter mile. Right. And I would have been through the pedal loop by the time they even finished going through that. Because it was still um, loose, but not as loose as when we went through it the first time. Yeah. How do you feel about the penalty loops, Brett? <laughs> um, I don't mind them. I prefer... I mean, for something like that, no. No penalty loop should be given. Spear shouldn't be given a penalty loop. Um, rope, yeah, because you got people who are afraid of heights, so that's you know that's a, a way out. Yeah, Olympus could be. I prefer that as a penalty loop because that would eat up a lot of time. Yeah. Um. Uh, but that I mean, if you're going to give a, a penalty loop, I believe Olympus is probably one of the harder obstacles out of all of it since they switched to the new material right and yeah. that's a that's a 50 50 for me yeah it, it depends on like if it's dry i can usually get it but if it's like wet and like in atlanta where it was muddy as hell i made it the first day but the second day i kind of got behind somebody and got held up and so i didn't i thought he was going to be done by the time i got to him and he was strong as hell he was holding on to dear life and i got right beside him and when he finally uh, gave up, I then I was out of strength, you know. So, but yeah, when it's usually they, they put the penalty loops on them when they don't have the ball at the end. I noticed that huh. they had the ball at the end. There's only burpees. When they had, when they don't, they put the penalty loop. I haven't noticed that. I want to start paying more attention to that. Yeah, if there if you, there's a ball, that'll be the best way to go through it. Especially if you bend at that ninety degree and yeah. you start grabbing the balls all the way, it's a faster way. And if you do Jersey again, it's always on a hill, and it's always going towards the hill. So basically, it's easier to go across it. As long as you don't go on the backside where you're going against gravity, you go with the gravity. Yeah. Because it's usually, from the last three Jersey races I've done, it was always in that same uh, location. Oh, really? Yes. See, the last time I did New Jersey was 2018. And I can't remember where it was at in 2018. I know 2017, it was like down in some mud, and it was really hard that year. Wait, 19 was there, too. I want to say... It, that loop wasn't there. Yeah. I want to say 2018, it was like kind of in a place where like Beater was this year. It was like on a clean kind of almost service road area, if I remember right, in 2018. But... I, I, with, I, the real, with the real wood. Yeah, with the real wood. Yeah, it was a lot easier with the wood. But to me, what was easier when they had the wood planks is, is the whole pattern was the same on every single board all the way across. And now that they've changed this new material, it's like four panels down, there'll be one panel that's like opposite. The holes, it's like you got two low holes and, and then the next one's high, whereas they used to be your first hole on each board was high, and then there was a low one, you know? 
And that's what messes you up because when you get there, it's like you're looking for the next hole to put your hand in and it's not where you want it to be. That's my problem with the new style. Yeah, I used to do the uh, the rock blips and then I moved to the chain with the balls because I seen that one faster. And then I started doing the, the holes up top. Right. But then, you know, going into the next obstacle after that, you know, that had to do with, think, with grip. So it's like, it's a lot of grip to use just to make it through, I think it was like six panels. Yeah. And then two holes per panel. It was a lot easier just to go do the penalty loop and then save your grip for the next uh, thing. I think it was like uh, for Fayetteville, after that it was uh, the box and then it was uh, monkey bars. Yeah. Because in Palmerton, it was going uphill. It was pretty tough in Palmerton. I was remembering that. Did you do the super in Palmerton? No, I did the trail. You did the trail on Saturday? I couldn't remember if you did the trail on Saturday or the trail on Sunday. Wasn't there well, a trail race? I was going to do all three, but I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to kind of cherry pick this and then go for it. And didn't work out according to plan. <clears throat> Uh, the ones who actually did better were some these young kids just came out of nowhere. Right. And the ones who raced on Saturday. Hmm. I know the past. But, I mean, that trail was, I mean, I suggest doing the, if you come to Palmerton again, I suggest doing the trail. That was probably my favorite trail I've ever been on. The way it was, it was mapped out, the way you went, you were like, it wasn't bushwhacking, but it was like, it was a great. And yeah, because it was a lot of mountain off. bike trails, right? Because I, those those are like established trails, and I've always wanted to run those trails because I see everybody, you know, doing them all the time, especially a lot of the local runners there, and it looks like a cool trail system. Um, yeah, it was a lot of switchbacks, and it was um, it was gravel, so it was a lot of like loose, but you're able to run it to the point where you instead of cutting inside kind of use the the curve to your advantage mm -hmm. and run with the curve so it, it kind of like launches you forward uh i made up uh, that's where i made up a lot of my time i think i was i finished 19th overall but i think i was like um uh 30th climbing to the top and then there was a uh, about a half mile, maybe a mile long stretch. And then on the downhills where I started clipping people and I just ran out of real estate to catch to the rest. Right. <clears throat> yeah. When, when you confident in running, you know, steep downhills, that's always a good time to catch people. Cause I like I'm I, I work on running uphill a lot and it's like I'm not getting better at it but I've getting to where I can endure uphill running for longer periods but I don't think I'm getting any faster at it but on the downhills you did good at Jersey yeah and I I did I I felt better running the hills in New Jersey than I did in Palmerton I don't know why man uh but, gradually going up Palmerton is kind of like yeah where we did in the trail you basically were almost like like you're climbing it, it seems like the first mile at Palmerton is steeper than the first mile at New Jersey I don't know if that's 
true, but it, it just feels like it is. Either the grades are steeper. It's almost like that, that penalty loop. Yeah. Or not the penalty, the ultra loop. Yeah. It's oh, kind of yeah. like that steep. Yeah, shit. I didn't run none of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's just like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm getting faster at uphills, but I feel like I can endure them more. Like, you know, I don't feel as gassed out for whatever I'm doing, whether if I'm doing a slow jog or power hike, and I still haven't figured out when is the best time for me personally to transition in between those two, you know, and it's always something I'm kind of working on, you know, and I don't have a lot of heels around me. I do have an incline treadmill, but that, I mean, that's better than nothing, but to me, that doesn't translate to running uphill because when you're running at 30% or 40% on that incline treadmill, your feet are so, you know, pitched back. And I don't even think like you're not running constantly like that, even when you're on a mountain course, just because the terrain is, you know, di different, you know, it's almost more right. like you'll hey, be running up steps. Are you power steps. hiking on your treadmill? Hmm? Are you power hiking on your treadmill? Yeah, probably not as much as I should because I've mostly just been doing like slow jogging, really. But I do a little power hiking too. But. Yeah, that's something that I never worked on. It's something that I need to work on. Yeah. Because uh, if you can climb a mountain faster, and then also if you're faster straight away from downhill, you kind of just take it away from there. Right. Yeah, it, just, I mean, if I was able to climb, I think I would have done pretty well um, everywhere else. Because I would—I mean, I clipped ten people coming down, mm. so I would have done. I would have had no problem catching these uh, young kids. Yeah, yeah. I just—I think I just bit off two more than I could chew on the super at Palmerton because. It was like after that first climb, I just felt like I was gassed the rest of the race. And so I just, and I didn't really feel like I was, I didn't feel like I was overreaching. But when I got to the top and started just working everything else, I, I mean, I figured out, yeah, I was overreaching, you know. But the next day, I did better. But, it's, you know, a lot of times, I always feel better running on the second day anyway. Uh, Same here. I learned that at uh, West Virginia last year. Uh, the beast is where I started to learn to run downhill. When we got to the top and we did um, A-frame, that downhill going down, Yeah, I ran that. And I think it was like I just bought the Hocus Studios. So it's almost like I felt confident in it. So I just ran it. Right. And... Ever since then, I've been just running downhills and, or scrambling down as fast as I can and have no issues. But then when I did the beast, when we all got – did you get whacked by the Hornets? Yes. I got bit by the Hornets yeah. in both locations. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> that was as bad. And then on the Super and the Sprint, I felt a lot better. Like I was on that mountain for uh, an hour longer than I did – in 19 and then i felt better on the super and sprint yeah i felt better i mean in west virginia i always feel better on the sunday i don't know what it is about that swim it always catches me off guard and i start cramping after that swim every time oh i was looking forward to the swim especially because of how hot it was yeah 
Well, that's the way I was in Palmerton. So we went in that little swim right there. And no, it wasn't as long, but still, I was kind of like, you know, kind of diving forward into the water. And then I'd walk a little bit and then dive forward a little more. But, I mean, I didn't have any problems cramping at all. I guess it's just because that swim at West Virginia just happens to be the longest swim we do in it, in most races that I know of. Yeah. Uh, I actually think that is the longest because I think in Tahoe it's colder, but it's a shorter swim, but it's deeper. Right. Because I don't think in West Virginia they bring us out far. But, I mean, far enough to the point where – you're not touching the bottom. Right. Well, <clears throat> Brett, how did you, like, get into, like, doing OCR? Did you always, like, do sports growing up? You know, just back up a little bit here. Um, <laughs> not really. Um, I got into fitness when I was – this might catch you off guard. When I was in a penitentiary, um, my first workout ever was a burpee. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, so imagine, you know, I did five years in the state penitentiary in Pennsylvania. And, and, oh, shit. Uh, What'd you do? And, <laughs> uh, if you don't want to talk about it, you ain't got to. I know. I sold drugs. Uh, I went in in 2010 and came out in 2015. Right. And uh, had no, uh, like, I never exercised or anything like that. I played high school basketball here and there and then soccer when I was younger, but it wasn't like I was more of like the defensive and I used to just, uh, just by reaction, just hit the ball with my hand. Right. And, um, I think when I was in jail, I, that's just so much time and they allow you so much yard and so much free time you make the best of what you had. So you either skip going outside on a nice day to go to the gym or vice versa. Right. And there was like a, a walking track. Not sure how many miles it was, but it was, at least it was nice. And we were right up in the mountains. So we we're able to see some mountains. And my cellmate was a lifer and he was pretty jacked. And, uh, we used to do these things in the in the yard where we just do burpees, do jumping jacks, do push-ups, do abs. And then we did um then we went to the gym, we started just doing powerlifting stuff. And then the gym had a competition, a powerlifting competition. Oh cool. Uh for your ages. And like they did it where, you know, there were sports, so you're able to play basketball, you're able to play volleyball, you're able to play uh, softball and soccer and then horseshoes and stuff like that. So I try to do whatever I can get my hands in just to, um, be kind of feel like I'm out of the jail in that mindset and I'm in the game. Right. So man, since I've never had anybody on that's been to like the penitentiary or whatever, but what was the worst part about being there? Um, well, it depends on, well, the worst thing was the food. Oh yeah, um, I imagine. You got, you, your food was like junk and it was about a thousand calories a day. Oh wow, that sucks. Between three <laughs> meals. Yeah, so 
you basically had to buy food. So like soups, um, those like chicken packets and salmon that you see at Walmart yeah. for a dollar. Those, uh, just a lot of junk food. And they had protein powder. Just one pack was uh, one serving and it was like four dollars. So it's like you had to you to eat well somewhat you had to spend a lot of money and mm. if you wanted to get big you had to spend a lot of money or eat everyone else's leftovers <clears throat> that or eat the stuff that no one else wants to eat right and just start putting down food and you know i went in there i think i was 190 when i went in there and dropped down to 160 holy shit yeah but i was also uh, I mean, I ate everything. I think my metabolism got higher because I wasn't doing anything. Right. And then when they let us out for yard or break time, we we went to the gym and this and that. So it's not like <clears throat> when we went to the yard and gym, we had nothing to put back in our system until lunchtime or dinner time. And then after dinner, we either stay in the day room, which uh, had a TV and you just play cards or or uh, checkers with people, or read books, or go to the gym for an hour. Right. So a lot of people went to the gym, or when it was nice outside, they went outside for two hours. So by that time, wherever you ate throughout the day, you already lost it for going, going outside three times a day. Hmm. So it's like, you know, and if you're doing some type of, because uh, they did it where, um, they did blocks and then they did it where um, someone puts their name in and then they become a they become a the team captain and they pick whoever they want to put on the team or they just draw and um, and then that and then to get to because you didn't have no practice you were, you either go on the courts outside and play street ball in a way or you do it your practice was game day hmm. and um on the weekends they were allowed to do more than one so we we're there was a couple of tournaments going on uh eliminations if you beat the person <clears throat> they leave and then you just keep going until there was a champion hmm. um especially being, being like one of the few white people, it was, you know, and then get selected to be on a team and being on that team that won a couple of championships, you know, it's one of those things is um, just, they, they play just like the streets. You got to earn your way onto the spot and show them that you, you know, you offer something that, they can use in the sport. Right. And then when it came to like a new activity, like soccer or say, uh, volleyball, when you put your name in and it was the same captain, they come grab you again. Well, that's cool. Cause I was like, when, like any time when I was doing basketball, anytime when there was a breakaway, I was able to grab mm. the ball and just go with it. Right. And, um, so then, you know, I earned my way there. Same thing with soccer. And then with soccer, they put me in the goalie, which I never played before. 
because they wanted it, uh, you couldn't you couldn't play in boots, and that's what they give you in state. Right. So you had to buy shoes off a of commissary. Well, so sucks. I got stuck into the goalie, and I did that barefooted. <laughs> yeah, because I couldn't play in boots. It was either playing barefoot and whatnot, but everyone else has sneakers on, so it was a lot easier for them to kick the ball. Yeah. And I could just block all the shots and kick what I need to kick, and we actually went undefeated. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, so they what they did was they give you a picture of the team, and then they have like a printout that says like champion, and then everyone's name on it, and then they give you uh, $10 on your books, and now you have $10 to go get food. Oh, sweet. So it was like a competition for food. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So because they couldn't, I think years ago, back in the 70s and 80s, they used to go to uh, jail to jail. And whoever jail won the championship, they got a trophy. Right. And the one jail is that had a bunch of trophies from boxing to powerlifting to... Uh, whatever. And so then they turn it to where now each gym has its own powerlifting trophy. And if you break the record or you, um, for your age or not your age, your weight limit, or if you set, you put the most weight up overall between in the, the, the bench, the squad or deadlift, there was a trophy there that they engraved your name on there. Oh, cool. What but you don't get the trophy. Right, and you, They of didn't course. really give you money for it. You just got like, well, your name's on your name's on the trophy. You got so bragging like, rights, like, man. I guess that's something cool. But yeah. in jail, it's like, uh, don't really want that. But I mean, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. My name's on that trophy in the pen. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so like. And then we, we had a lot of players come in, like, um. Uh, we had, um, we had, uh, occasionally once a month they'll, they'll have, uh, like football players and baseball players and, um, basketball players come in and then they talk and what they, you know, it's like one of those things is you sign up for it and then hope to get into that slot. So you get to spend the time asking these pros questions and then right. they can respond back and whatnot, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so you get to meet a lot of cool people that way. And I got, I got a lot of autographs off it cause they had no problem giving it to you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Some yeah. players back from the sixties, um, there was a guy who worked for the athletic department in the jail and he played for the Boston Celtics in huh. the, uh, I want to say like their late '80s, early '90s. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool, man. Like when you got out of the pen, man. Like, what was the first thing you went and <laughs> ate, man? Cause I went to Starbucks. <laughs> you went to Starbucks, man. I probably would have went to fucking Pizza Hut. <laughs> um. Well, cause I was, I think I was like three hours from Philly. And uh, I wasn't really thinking. I think I wanted. I I never had caffeine before, but because you're in jail, that's you know, there's people buying coffee all the time, and 
and then you can get off a commissary, which is right. the instant stuff. So that we had hot water, put it in there, stir it around, you're good to go, mm. and then start the caffeine kick. I bet that coffee and I just wanted like Starbucks. Mm. And then um, I got whatever food from there. Mm. That's cool. So how did you, like, start, like, what was your first OCR race, and how did you find out about doing it? Um, so after I got out, I started working at a, um, fitness gym, um, a couple years later and I was dating this girl who used to do it. And for my birthday, she got me rugged maniac, but she put a medal in the bag. Like I seen the medals on her wall and didn't think anything of it. Yeah. And we did it, and it was happening to be on my birthday in PA. So I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> they said, go, I ran. And then I stopped the, for everyone else to catch up, and I ran. Um, had no problem with any of the obstacles. Um, I was able to see what the other people were doing, so I just mimicked what they were doing. Right. And then um, that happened to, let's see. And then we broke up. And then Jersey, the Jersey Beast in 19 was my second OCR. Oh, wow. That, you picked a good one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did that with a friend who has done that race before and had no problem with it. So... I ran, and he couldn't make it two miles without having to stop all the time. And I just chucked along. Took him, like, six hours. It took me four and a half, give or take. And then after that one, I went to do the old uh, – did the Beast in Ohio. Right. So I, all this, I went to – I learned the, I learned how to volunteer – um, and whatnot. So I started volunteering all the time. Mm -hmm. And then I just took my way through all those races to the point where I finished my first OCR season with uh, six trifectas oh, cool. and an ultra. So your first ultra was at Tryon of 2019? Uh, yep. God, that was baptism by fire right there. <laughs> that was one of them that um, I I've never ran. So all that ran in my life. I only showed up on race day. I ran after after race was over. I just waited for the next one. And um, the ultra was probably the longest I ever ran. Oh wow! And I was doing well. Uh, I did the same thing I do. Like I do every race is go out fast and just wait until I lose gas. But by that time I had a good distance and just kind of good into my zone where I want, what pace I want to run. Right. And I was doing good. I think I was second place overall for the ultra leaving transition. And then we had to go through call tubes. Well, I didn't, know that you could have went around it because the crawl tubes were for the kids to jump over. So I went in there 
And Shit, I didn't know we could go around it either. <laughs> and my knee caught it. And when I pushed off on it, just to try to move quicker, I took four steps when I got out of the, the tube and my malicious started to act up. Oof. And I ended up walking the whole second half. I finished the first half in three hours and it took me six and some change to finish the second half. Damn. I could not run. Mm. Um, I, I could barely jump. Um, I fell off a couple of obstacles, so the burpees were crucial. And um, found out when I got towards the end, when I finished, the guy who took, I finished fourth place. Oh, man. And the guy who took third only beat me by a half hour. Oh, man. And I walked the whole thing. And, you know, if you did it in 19, how muddy it was yes. to the point where they add extra ropes. I couldn't extend my knee all the way. Mm. So when I was, I was falling backwards and people were pushing me up because I couldn't, I couldn't get that forward motion. So trying to climb a slip wall in the cargo net was a nightmare. Mm. I did everything by hand. Like I didn't even use my legs to climb up anything. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't, I could put pressure on it, but I couldn't, when I bent it, I couldn't extend it. Dang. That's had to suck. push off of it. That was a bad race to have to walk. <laughs> I was, I went, I finished, or I did the whole second lap in a trash bag. Oh That's how God. cold it was. It was cold. I was covered in a trash bag to the point where I was trying to keep so much warmth in. Mm. And then it started to get warmer towards the end, and I just ripped it off. And then I barely could even go or the fire jump. Yeah. Yeah, because they, like, cut off some of the course towards the end. The sl the dunk wall was flooded. Like, the barbed wire leading up to it was flooded. So they were bypassing people around that. Like, towards the... funny the thing is, that was warm. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, towards the end, like, everybody was bypassing the Hercules hoist and everything. There was, wasn't even anybody there like volunteering, you know, I remember just watching them, just everybody just coming through there. It was, it, everybody was at the point where they were just extremely miserable towards the end of that race. <clears throat> oh yeah. Especially that there was nowhere to go besides the change of room where it had. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. So when I got done, like, with the ultra, like all the beast, you know, men were in the changing room trying to get warm and everything. Like as soon as you pulled the curtain back, it was like shoulder to shoulder in there. So I just went to my buddy's truck and he had a camper top on his truck. I just got in the back of his truck and changed back there. You know, I just wanted to put some dry clothes on so I could get warm, man. It was, it was, it was crazy out there. And I was so glad that I brought this huge golfing umbrella so I could, you know, stay dry after I change clothes. And I had, uh, like, rubber boots, too. So, I, man, I felt so much better once I put on dry clothes and had my umbrella walking around. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't... I didn't plan very well for that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I planned as best as I could to the point where, you know, I asked a couple people. And obviously, that ultra was supposed to be the easiest ultra. It was for people, to be. so a lot of people 
signed up for it just because it was supposed to be easier. Yep. And it turned out to not be. Well, it was a weather thing. You know what I mean? The weather is what... The weather can change an easy race to a miserable race anytime. Like, even... You oh, know, like when, last year when everything was frozen. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, you got to admit, besides the weather being super cold, that was a pretty, that was a pretty easy ultra race. Probably not as easy as Fayetteville, but it would probably be like the next in line for me is, you know, being an easily runnable ultra. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, because... 19 was somewhat vulnerable, but last year it was very vulnerable. Yeah. There was no no hiccups or anything like that. Yeah, nothing, um, no crazy. Everything was like, it was perfect, and then they started getting warmer out, and it got a lot better. I know, and you took off running, dude. Like, you were gone. Like, when we were just getting to that old, where they were building that building, you were already running around the corner, and I was like, damn, Brett's gone today. And, like, I didn't see you again for miles, man. You went out hot. Yeah, and then my and then my knee started to act up. Mm. Yeah, probably it was about around that sandbag carry that was, like, three-quarters of a mile long, I think. Yeah, it's usually, um, like, I don't know why I do it. I just do it. Um, I mean, I'm not as fast as most people, but give me... Give me a hundred meters or two hundred meters. I I can I can run with the best. Right. And you know I think I got it from running from the cops for so long. When I was <laughs> and like like I was thinking about, it, I was like, all the running I ever did was just running from the cops all the time. And it's not like it was short distance. It was like yeah. quick bursts here and there, and then kind of parkour over stuff yes, to get away. That's funny. And then I didn't start. I didn't start running until um, last year. Right, because you're working um, with. Uh, everyone started to get like a thousand miles, and they've been posting it. It's like shit. <laughs> I have three hundred miles to go. And I mean, I did a couple races during 2020, and um, whenever they had a couple savages here, but yeah, they make up that. To make up 300 miles in three weeks, and I was like, "So going home to try to get that thousand. Yeah, and I did. And I think that opened Pandora's box. Like, I get to the point where I'll go run on a treadmill for a half marathon. I'll do that a couple of times a day just to just to keep going. Right. Yeah. I just out of boredom. Yeah, I didn't really start putting in, you know, a lot of volume like per week until I would say like maybe 2020. I started doing like more than 15 to 20 miles a week, you know, and uh, I like that now. But now that I've started doing more running volume, it's like now I'm not lifting weights and working out as much because it's like I've tra I've traded times like the times I used to work out. Now I'm running and I'm lazy and I don't want to do both. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in that position, too, where it was like. Uh, I was listening to an episode of uh, The Run Public, and it happened to be with Coderosa. And he was talking about how he trains, you know, Doing he his always two days. sacrifices had to be made. 
Yeah. You know, if you had to get up early, sacrifice had to be made. Somewhere it has to give. And, and I was always strong for my size. And, you know, I wasn't putting in crazy miles. I was only like 15 miles a week runner. Yeah. If I do that in one day, I'm good for the rest. <laughs> trying to balance off the weightlifting too. But it got to the point where now because work is busy and I always had like a long commute from Philly to North Jersey, I I had to make the sacrifice. So I crammed all my work, my lifting into supersets. Right. After I finished one, go to the next one, just keep going and then knock that down to about 20 minutes and then do the rest all running. So like... Um, I'll set the treadmill up to 7.5, which I think is like a, a sub eight and just rip it and just go as long as I can. Usually 40 to, to an hour, you know, I can get like seven or eight miles out of it. And then I started doing it um, different where when it came to leg day, I used to do to superset legs to the point where when I got off of that leg machine, my legs are wobbling to the point where like I could tip over. My legs are so trashed. And then I go set the treadmill up and just rip it. Right. It, it, the first mile sucked trying to run on noodle legs. Yeah. But then you're starting to, then you start coming into your, your cadence. It's like everything just starts coming normal. It's like, well, that didn't go according to plan because I wanted my legs more trashed and I wanted to run on trashed legs for a lot longer, but it faded after a mile. Hmm. So then I started to try to do lunges for a quarter mile and go on the rower, go for 500 meters, then go right on a treadmill. And it did the same thing. I think after a mile, my, I start feeling a lot better. Right. But aren't you working with uh, Heather Goldnick's uh, Iron Edge team and um, training with her now? Yes and no. Um, I'm on her team. Um, not really training. Right. Um, I. It was more. It was more like um, they they wanted the T Rex on the team. Oh. And I thought it'd be cool because, you know, who doesn't want a T-Rex on the team? That's right. Tell us about that so, too, man. Uh, <laughs> so my first race in a T-Rex was a Philly 5K. And it was in August. And it was in a city and it was hot. But <laughs> before then, I was, I don't know if I was on social media or happened to see YouTube. And I seen a bunch of t-rexes on a starting gate on a horse track <clears throat> and i just seen them all run and it was a, probably like a 100 meter or 200 meter sprint and i thought that was hilarious to watch <laughs> and i was like hmm never seen anything in like uh like people wear onesies and this and that i was like you know what they don't wear a t-rex and then I started doing it. I was trying to figure out where I could do it at. And it made more sense to do it at a stadium race because there's no bar wire, there's no mud, and there's nothing to catch it on. So I kind of, in September, I kind of hyped it up. 
And the only stadium that I was able to do it at was Fenway. And found out that other people were wearing T-Rexes to work. And I was like, oh, crap. Hmm. They're going to they're gonna kind of use my idea to go run a race. Because I haven't seen anyone run a race in right. a T-Rex costume. <clears throat> um, so I was like, damn. But then the one who, like, Amber Klein had a T-Rex costume, but she never ran a race in it. She just worked out in it and did funny videos with right. um, her sister. And so in the second day at Fenway, uh, I got my first podium. And then right after that, we did an inflatable race around. So we did it as a team. Uh, there was another T-Rex, there was an alien, and there was a unicorn. <laughs> and it was ran around, the, did the whole course. Took us about an hour. Uh, some stuff I couldn't do, uh, like uh, pipe layer. <laughs> I can imagine. Couldn't do that. Well, what they did is they deflated themselves and went right through it. And then inflated right. themselves back up. Right. It's like, huh. <laughs> and then, um, like, I climbed the rope. I got as far as to the rings I could before. I couldn't see anymore. <laughs> and then same thing with the monkey bars to the point where, cause there was, the, I think it was the four bars were about the same size. And then there was that one long one or the, the gap. I couldn't reset, fell off. Right. Um, had no problem with doing the spear. Horcoise had no problem. Rope was a little tricky. Right. I'm sure. Uh, especially the ramp burpees. <laughs> trying to get, trying to lift up a fifty-pound thing over your head, where you're wearing a costume, which is like ten feet tall. Have you ever tore one of the suits doing the race? Uh yeah. So <laughs> I did it. So the next race after that would have been the Spartan Cross, and I ran the Spartan Cross in the T-Rex costume. What you mean, in Jacksonville and, Spartan Cross? Yep. Yep. And I fell off one obstacle, and it was the the monkey bars, and it was towards the end where that gap was. And I went to go reach for it, and it ripped down the armpit. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. So then I, I made up some type of story, you know, like, oh, T-Rex is going in, because everyone asked about it. It's like, oh, he's in surgery. Uh. And people actually thought that I was in surgery. <laughs> That's funny. But it's like, but like, he'll be there next week. Like, well, if he ripped his arm, why would he be out of race next week? <laughs> and then I did. Then I got invited to Hildervat, um, to go do the race where rest of the pros came down. Right. I get invited to race an inflatable uh, alligator. Oh wow! So I got I got invited, and then I asked the guy who's ran who ran. Uh, what was it? Swamp, swamp, something. Oh, swamp battle. Jacksonville. Yeah, he ran in a gator, but it wasn't a inflate. It was inflatable, but it was only from his waist down. Oh, so it was one of those ones. Right. So we we're hyping it up. So I was making like content to kind of hype it up and this and that. And then we raced, and he beat me, but he also had no top layer on so he was able to breathe and right. i was just drenched i'm sure i couldn't even see out of it i go grab the rope and try to jump on it 
and pulled my whole side down. So it felt like I ripped something. Uh, I think that was because of the dehydration. Right. Uh, so everything I tried to do, it just sucked. <laughs> so we only did, um, we did one lap instead of the three laps. And yeah. we did it just on the obstacle so that it gave everyone a view. So they had some fun. Right. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like that. And then, you know, at Savage, uh, I brought it and went down Colossus in it. Oh, I bet that was fun. <laughs> uh, so I got told not to by the lifeguard there. Right. But he had no problem with it. He, was, he said, as long as I see your head. So he's, I pulled my head up or pulled the zipper down, pulled my head and zipped it back down, went down out of it. Right. And my girlfriend made the video, but it was in those, um, if you take a picture, you can see it in live action. Right. So it seemed me coming down a little bit and then coming out of the water. If it looked like I was, um, oh, what was it? Remember the old Power Ranger TV show where uh, the Green Ranger had the his Zord came out of the waters, like yeah, uh, yeah. So there's a section of the video where I kind of mimic that, and then the whole costume just kind of sinked right off of me. That's funny. Filled with water. How much? And how and much do those out, suits cost? And the fans still worked. Oh, wow. I was like, wow. I was actually surprised. I thought this costume would have been destroyed. And how, I had a backdrop just in case. How many? How much money do those suits cost? And how many have you gone through? <laughs> um, I'm technically still on my first one. Really? I mean, I had to know a, a second one. And what I did was I used pieces of that to extend the arms right. so that whenever I'm hanging, I'm not ripping the, the seams of the armpit. So I have more flexibility because I couldn't, I couldn't roll, roll up any higher than my elbow right, or the top of my forearm. It won't go up any higher. It was just so tight. And if I put up any tighter to get that more of a, uh, extension it was cardinal circulation so i was trying to think like how can i do this and then i took it to a tailor's like i this is how i want it <laughs> um and then i just put a ball hawk on it when during COVID, when the only thing you do is give yourself a COVID haircut right so i get myself a mohawk i colored it and then i was like you know what maybe my t-rex needs a mohawk <laughs> So now I just start putting, I, I got a bicycle uh, Velcro that you can put on a bike helmet and just super glued it right on there. Uh, but I could take it off and change colors. That's cool. And it just stuck. And then now I got, I got t-shirts made for, for, um, OCR body. Right. Um, the app. Cause I'm one of their ambassadors. Right. And Riverbend loves the t-rex so i got put on to their team because of the t-rex <laughs> so uh, i got a t-shirt made for that there's a video i was at worlds and i chest pumped uh lindsey webster in it oh yeah i remember i saw that in slow-mo <laughs> and i was so nervous like oh i'm gonna hurt her <laughs> she got off she got off the ground pretty high I was like, oh, she breaks it. She twists her ankle. Then I just, 
you know, I'll be the hated man in the world. Yeah, because isn't she sponsored by Riverbend too, or was? Yeah. It was, um, so they reached out to me and said, oh, are we going to see the T-Rex come up and this and that? And I, I looked at it as like, oh, that's an opportunity. Yeah. So I jumped on it and, um, never met them in person or anything like that until Savage PA. And had my T-Rex there. Uh, I got, the T-Rex got put on the team. I didn't, but they, you know, I kind of benefit from it. And then I started working with them and trying to get them into like other <laughs> facilities and whatnot, kind of like promoting them. Yeah. And then, and then they did an ambassador program, which I didn't need to be on because I was already kind of it. I was like, you know what? I'll just do it anyways. Hmm. Um, so like, so now I bring the T-Rex everywhere. I have t-shirts ready to go for whoever, um, sponsors I'm going to do. Like I'm going to do one for VJ shoes. Cause I'm going to make a video of me running in VJs while my T-Rex costume. Oh, that's cool. Anything for a free Into pair of VJs. <laughs> well, cause it, it's funny and everyone knows it. And yeah. you know, if it wasn't the T-Rex, I'll just be some guy with a Mohawk with tattoos that can run. Right. But, I'm known as the T-Rex guy. Yeah. So, like, you know, I'm gonna, I, I bring it everywhere I go. And if it's too hot, I won't wear it. Right. Uh, if it's cool, I will wear it, and I will go through the course and try to do stuff with it. Mm. As best I could without ripping it. Right. So I don't bring it back up. <clears throat> so going through TSA is not a fun deal when they see a giant T-Rex in your backpack and they want to pull it on and take it out and this and that. Oh, I'm sure. And curious what it is. Yeah. You're going through TSA and they go through your bag. That's never fun anyway. <laughs> it's only, the, only, the only bag they go through is the T-Rex one. It's always it's always an issue. Right. But Probably. when you go through the airport often, they just stop caring. Right. Because I'm not going to put it in luggage and just hope it's gone. Right. I'll rather be with me at all times so that because you can't just find them you just have to order them off of amazon and whatnot and they have to wait if you're traveling you don't have time to go find another one right yeah i can imagine they're probably not easy to find you probably have to order them off during halloween they are but they're a lot more expensive because now they're now they're popular now people are making videos and this and that right uh during during COVID, there was a there was an ongoing joke that like Someone seen a post that I was in another country <laughs> from the streets during COVID, That's and then then at the meat the meat store and this and that I have a mask on and this and that. So it's like you know I just play wrong with it. So now it's like people assume that the T Rex is made. There was a Ninja Warrior guy going through the course, and people thought it was me doing Ninja Warrior on the T Rex. <laughs> That's funny. And the guy did great. And I was like, oh, I, I can't do that. Because <laughs> I, I could barely see out of it. Right. But once it gets foggy, it's it's hard to see. I'm sure. I and imagine this guy it's was actually really frustrating. Stuff. Like, he was doing good. Yeah. I'm sure it's pretty frustrating to probably try to go through an OCR course wearing that suit. <laughs> um, the stadium is no problems. Uh. 
I probably could get through Savage. Just can't go through like most of the rigs. Right. So I'll play on a couple of them just for photos and this and that. But it's more like I'll probably have to do that as a trail race, an open trail race. Uh, like Jacksonville this year was pretty much open, so there was nothing I could get caught on. Right. Um, so it's almost, I, I had to watch because any little sticker or stick could pop it and it deflates. Uh, when I, I made it, they allowed me in Fenway last year to be on the podium with it. To wear it on the podium. Oh, that's cool. Surprise! And it was on, do it, that. it was on its last limb <laughs> of the motor. It was like it was like because uh, I did a lap with it. Me and Bubbles were supposed to do a lap, and um, I wanted to get done before rewards. He had to go back to his car, which was way outside the things. Like you know, he'll catch up. He only has a mask on. I'm running through a costume. Right. And um, they allowed us to wear our costumes on the to get our podium, which is pretty cool. But mine was already dying before <laughs> the podium was coming. I was like, dang. <laughs> it was getting cold, and the motor was just on the last limb. Well, that's funny. So then I started to buy more motors. Right. Well, Brett, man, we're on an hour here already, man, but I always ask people the same questions when they come on the show, man. And to this day... What has been your most favorite race and why? I mean, I like Utah and West Virginia, but I mean, they're they're my favorite, but the trail Palmerton was amazing. Like mm. I was blown away like how that was set up. Huh. The climb sucked, but yeah. It was like it was in the shade. It was like perfect. And then, and then the switchbacks were just very runnable. Like, I think I ran the downhill at a three minute pace. Oh, wow. I was just, I was cooking and <clears throat> people were running. And when they're trying to slow down, they're sliding. And then their feet kicked up underneath them. Cause I mean, when you're running, you're sliding on gravel. So do you either have good grip or you kind of, you're losing it. And a lot of people wiped out coming down the hill. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward downwards. to go back. Yeah. See, because they don't usually run that section of the trails when they do the OCR race. So, and I've, No, this is a whole... So yeah. When we ran, we ran all the way outside of the area. So part of that, there's a, there's a blue route, which is a four-mile loop through the whole course. Uh... Isn't it called like the Four blue down. burn or something like that? Yeah. And then you go like the last section you go down and it's very technical. It's like rocky as hell. Like you can't just run it and thinking that you're going to survive it. Mm. Cause it's, it's, it's steep and it's rocky. Like you're, you're running in the trees to slow you down. That's my jam. And then right the there. lady who built it works for blue mountain. Oh, that's cool. Or not, not built it, uh, who's the director of it. Right. Who's also the trail director. So she said that she extended the trail to five and a half miles. So I'm eager to go run that, um, sometime this year. Hopefully when it gets a little cooler out there, run that whole segment. 
How far I drive was is that for you? Top ten overall, and then people got faster, and people are using bikes to get their segments. Right. How far? And as a running. How far drive is that for you to get there? Uh, about an hour and a half. Well, that's not too bad. No, like that would be the closest mountain to run. Right. Some good weekend training. <clears throat> yeah. Well. <laughs> Every week I've been running. Right. Like, you know, I, if it wasn't for the run in public, I would have been as good as I am now. Uh, I use, I started listening to them halfway through the year. Right. And then I started got a lot better. So I've been, I was always on the podium uh, from July on from listening to her episodes. And I was just applying what they were saying. And a lot of stuff I didn't know. Like I never know tempo run or pace or this and that. I just right. I just go. And yeah. then how to do uh intervals and stuff like that. Never did a speed day in my life, except for racing. And the town I moved to, I live right next door to a track. Oh cool. But the problem is it's been so hot I can't get onto the track. Right. And then when it does cool down by 10 o'clock, I'm going to bed because I have to get up before morning for work. So it's like I'm real like in a situation where a lot of my runs are just on the treadmill at the moment until <clears throat> the heat dies down. Yeah. Or when it gets cooler. When it gets cooler, then I can start ripping it up on the track. Right. And mm. then I just listen to everyone else's stories. They were the first podcast I listened to. And then I started listening to everyone else's stories and listen to how like how they train in this and that. And I learned that everyone trains different. Yep. You know, you don't have to do speed day and this and that. And for me, I'm fast where I need to be, but I can be faster. I can be a better climber. I just need to get to that point. And the only thing I could do for climbing is lunges. That would probably be the best way to do anything, especially where I don't have to travel uh, an hour and a half to a mountain. Right. As often, but all my, like I asked him a question and the best way they answered it, because uh, Kevin Donahue said the same thing. If you're, tr if you're racing every weekend, that is your, that is training. That is your, your quality day. That's your long day. And that's your, your speed days. Absolutely. And me and my girlfriend were tr racing every weekend to all across the, the country and we're racing. If it's either a local race or OCR, we're always racing. So I just use that as my fitness to the point where now we're not racing as much because of plane tickets is retarded and gas is retarded. So now I'm able to get in the runs I need to get in where I only rely on OCR days. Yep, it's definitely getting expensive, man, to travel for sure. Oh, yeah. So now it's like, now we're just going to pick A races. Right. Obviously, I'm going to do Jersey. I'm going to do all the PA races. I'm going to do New York, West Virginia, definitely Carolina again. Um, you got to keep, you know, when you're doing ultra, you want to keep that streak going. Yeah. And Dallas was probably my, my best ultra year to date. Right. I ran, I ran that one. I was first overall for 27 miles. Dang. And then my hip flexors got me, and I got clipped. Oh, wow. And I think I, I came in fifth overall, second in my age group. Hmm. 
and I went out like a gun out of hell. No one was near me. I had, I had enough time to go to the porter potty five times on course. <laughs> Jeez. No one was near me, and then my hip flexors got me. I started walking for a mile, mm. and everyone caught up like, shit. And I just couldn't run. I just couldn't get that momentum. Because uh, Dallas, if you ever ran that, the drop in's right next to the starting gate. So right. if you're trying to stretch, there's not much room for you to warm up. And especially when everyone wants to talk, you kind of get sidetracked in the conversation. You forget to do your your normal stretches that you normally do. Right. And that's the same course that, um, uh, what is it? Um, forget his name. Chris Brown broke oh, the yeah. fastest ultra record at 420. Yeah, I remember that when he did that. That was pretty awesome. Well, yeah. Br- that, be a cor- if you're going to do a, an ultra and you have an experience, Dallas is probably the best one to experience. I've run the Beast there and I enjoyed it, but I think they've changed the venues since I did the Beast because I think. Uh, the Beast where did you do I, it last year? No, I did the Beast in 2015, and that was where uh, that ranch where Chris Kyle got killed at or shot. That was, oh. and uh, I think they've changed that venue with, within the last couple of years. I don't think it's in the yeah, same. We did place. it at like True True Grant True Grit Ranch. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think. That's I mean, I think it's on the schedule this year. If you had the opportunity to go, I recommend it. That's a very fast and semi-flat but you gotta watch because some of the, the the cactuses will go through your foot yeah i remember that you, from when we were there there was some there was plenty yeah. of that around when we were there too one of them went through killington's foot oh wow when he ran it oh yeah that would suck because you're running in the dark you don't get to see and by the time you almost finished your second or going on your finishing your first lap the sun's coming up yeah, I saw there was a girl running in front of us when we were there because we were just running it open in 2015, and we saw a girl step on a cactus, and she had she was on the ground because it just got it nailed her good. I mean, they chopped them down, but still, even though they I mean, chopped them down, they're still they're they're these are like flat cactuses. Yeah, yeah. Why, well, right, Brett? So you you told me what was your favorite race. Now, what has been the race that you you know you hated the most or liked the least? Most people said, "Well, I really don't hate any of them," but just tell us, you know, what's your worst experience that you ever had at a race and why? Um. Well, it's it's hard to say because I went to Utah. I shit the bed on that one, but you know, <laughs> I wasn't acumenic for the, the that type of temperature or the the high altitude. Right. But then you got the jersey where the year prior to that I crushed it and I come here, I get last place and I walked it. Fayetteville was gonna be one of those, you know, top three positions and probably top three overall. And that was my plan. And then I shit the bed on that one. Right. Uh, I did. I, I don't think there. There is any that, you know, I hate it. Yeah. I You know, each of them has its own learning experience. 
And, you know, it comes to the same thing is I can't just be running every weekend like that. Yeah. And, you know, body needs rest, especially if I'm on my feet eight hours a day just from one job and I go to another one. There's, I don't have much rest. So my rest is active rest where I'm always moving. But it'll probably be the one I probably hate the most. I had to say something. Will probably be that Carolina one, that the the shitty weather, the one where I wanted to quit but didn't. (laughs) I I I I actually stopped the um, not the volunteers, the workers, and like I wanted to say I quit, but I just couldn't get it out of my mouth. Right. So I sat there and looked, like I said, hey, and then like, nothing came out of my mouth. And then they just took away. I was like, yeah, I think my girlfriend was at that same situation, too. She was at an aid station, and she wanted to say, and she's like, I was about to quit and get in the back of the truck or whatever it was. And she said she just turned around and just started walking away before she did, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those things is, like, you want to quit, but inside you says no. Like, this is not bad i mean it wasn't bad it was just the, the temperature wasn't ideal that sunday was a lot better it was, a, it was 60 degrees compared yeah. to the low 30s what we mm. ran in yeah it was still cold but i man and like a dummy i was going to run sunday just the sprint and uh i pulled my contacts out and they were kind of dirty and i threw them away thinking i had another pair and i didn't so all i had was glasses so i just come to the race and hung out for a little while sunday and then we went on i was gonna say you're in glasses wow no uh -uh. no we just come and hung out for a little while and and then we just left man but yeah that was i can tell you last year that race was the coldest race i've ever ran same here I mean, we come to the aid stations and the water was frozen in the cups, man. Well, you have a beer too, and imagine that that thing being frosted. Yeah, it was, man. That was pretty rough, especially right under my nose where you're sweating, and it would just freeze up. Oh yeah, I Be- think that yeah, that was probably the by far the coldest race I ever ran. Mine too. And it, it sure. took a while to heat up. It did. You're right. I think we already done our first loop before the sun started coming out. Right. And then the, again. The dunk wall and the wrong mud was warm as hell. Yeah, see, now, when I went through the water, I was, it, the dunk wall was like, I was like, well, that's not that bad. But when I come out of transition, it's like, and I wasn't in transition, but like a minute. And I come out of there, it's like I was getting cold again because my clothes were wet. You know what I mean? So, but it didn't take long oh, yeah. to warm back up. I ran in um, a windbreaker. See, I didn't. I just wanted a, a thermal well, you're compression. You're shirtless, but a windbreaker was probably, I think that's what saved me. Yeah. Because it bounced off all the cold air coming out. And then when, when I hit the water, not everything was dry. Right. Because it wasn't, it, it, it kind of reflected it. So when I hit transition, all I did was took my headlamp off and just went right back out. Yeah. Like I, I skip transition and I don't eat much on course i'll i'll eat like um four things of baby food and that's it like i don't like my nutrition sucks and it's amazing that i can abstain to keep that that momentum going for the lack of food i intake yeah i was about to say that's not a lot of calories if you're only eating four of those and i i think it's like 80 calories wow like i don't eat a lot and it's almost and same thing with the water. I think I went through the whole way when 
and my bladder was only half empty. I hit up every water station and just kept them going. See, that's what I do. Like, one of these things is I'm fast stations. enough and I could push it. And I like I don't eat before the race. Like I stop eating at six or seven o'clock that night, and I won't eat again until a couple of things on the course or after I'm done the race. So you won't eat no breakfast or nothing before the race? Nope. Wow, man. No I... breakfast, no Gatorade. I'll just down water and and just go. I couldn't do that. I got to I got to get up early and eat some breakfast, man, just to have something in me. I want to have some calories in me before I toe the line. Oh, I usually just roll out of bed, put my gear on and just go. Yeah. I guess if anything you're like, getting more sleep. A lot of people drink coffee. It's like, why are you going to drink coffee and you're on the porta potty right before the race and you know the porta potty is a, like that eats up a lot of your energy cuz you're going to the bathroom like four or five times before you even hit the line. Yeah, that's true. But that's and why then, that's like, why I drink I, coffee so I can get it all out. I'm not intaking anything, which is funny. Yeah. It's better than going on course. Yeah, for sure. I, I learned that. I learned that in, uh, I did Savage Florida and we did team. I went to the porta potty and it cost my team first place and we took third. Oh man, that sucks. And I went to the bathroom 10 times before the race started. Oh my God. And, and I'll never, I'll never do that again that way. I'll make sure. I think I had pizza the night before, but that was just carbs. Right. And I think I had a Powerade and I think the Powerade did it. Mm. And it's like, it, we lost, uh, first place for it. I mean, we stagged the team podium, but I get made fun of for going to the bathroom on course <laughs> and it cost us. So no, no more than that. But I think pee on course, I pee on course, but I make sure there's nothing in my system and just, just go. I think I'll, I'll allow my energy to hold me over. Because I can always eat after the race. And usually the food there is good, especially the island noodles. Yeah. I like those. They're so pretty I good. I don't know if they're worth what they cost, but they're pretty all good. All the carbs, all the salt, and yeah. the protein, awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Brett, what's next race for you? I got Rugged this Saturday, and then I got Savage PA the following Saturday. I'm not sure. I know West Virginia is coming up, and yeah. I'm doing the in 21K, the Super and the Sprint. Cool, man. Um, probably, I might do the Beast. I'm not 100% sure yet. Like, I'll, I think towards the end of the year, I'm going to have a race almost every weekend. Oh, cool. Well, Brett, man. Yeah, it's, like, it's like this how it happened last year, where I didn't do so well the first year and start making it up on the ass end of it. Right. It seems like all the races are towards the end of the year anyway, you know. Yeah, especially the ones that I want. I want the ultras. Right. Like, you know, it's funny because I don't think I'm an ultra runner, but I'm good at it. But I'm not good at the beast of sprint or supers, but I'm great at stadiums and sprint and ultras, which are far from each other. Right. Like, when I tell people, it's like, that doesn't make sense. Like, I know, but, like, I'm fast for the sprints and I'm fast for the um, stadiums. I'm also fast for the ultras, but I can't get the supers or scrims down. I mean, I get top ten, but that's just the best I can get. Yeah, it's but hard I'm, to be I good can get at all. Podiums and the other ones. Yeah, it's hard to be good at all those distances. You know, running, running the short and fast, and then running the long and essentially fast, fast as well. 
So it's like I should be good at the beast. Yeah, I've never if got I, an eight foot podium. If I can do release. the ultra faster than what most people can do, beast then. But yeah, I just, I just can't snag, snag the position there. Yeah, I never have gotten an age group podium in a beast, but most of the time I'm always running the ultra if that's an option. So, you know. Oh yeah, same here. I it's like once you get bit by that first ultra, that's all you want to do. Now I'm feeding for. Um, uh, uh, like real ultras, like 50 miles and higher, but I don't put that type of miles in. Like right. I go from, I used to be 15 miles a week. Now I just increased it to 30 miles. Right. And I don't do like a lot of people do these long runs. My long run is probably an hour. Cause that, I love, that's like distance. I love running for an hour and I could do that every day. And it's usually between seven to nine miles. Right. And I could do that every day and I, I like doing that like that's like my prime but like to try to go out there go run 15 20 30 miles just for fun doesn't seem very like fun to me like if it's in a race i'll do it yeah i'll go right off the couch and just do it because that that adrenaline kick will hold me in and that competitive but yeah if you're gonna run 30 miles for fun with with friends i don't think i would i can do that yeah if, yeah. There, if there's a medal at the end <laughs> in this placement i'm going for it yeah so it's... now it's like i've been watching um nick bear and he runs he's out of texas he runs all these ultras and i uh, so i've been watching a lot of uh ultras and documentaries and then a gc at my job introduced me to the berkeley so i watched the documents on that i got in contact with the race owner and now like i feel like i want to do that Right. And if you ever heard of the Berkeley, you do, it's a hundred miles, but you have 60 hours to do it. And it's only for 30 years, only 14 people have completed it. Wait, are you talking about the Barkley marathons that we're talking about? Yes. Where you have to use a, yes. you have to use a damn compass and they won't let you use a watch. Yeah. No, fuck. I don't yeah. want to do that. <laughs> uh, you can use a watch. It has to be, um, like a Timex watch. Be, it can't be a GPS watch. Yeah, it just has to be, well, it has to be a watch that you can, um, well, because he changes the course. Yeah. Uh, it can't, as long as it shows pace and distance. And I've been, like, feeling that. Like, every, like, I'll go watch on the treadmill. I'll go watch his documentaries. And I, like, I want, I want it. Yeah, I have no desire but, to uh, do a, do a, <laughs> an orienting race. No way. That ain't me. <laughs> but that, that, like. Like, I'm trying to get him on one of the podcasts, but the conflict of, you know, they're just not enough time. Yeah. But, like, something, like, to hear that guy's like, he's like a mad scientist at how he does shit. He's, like, sick. Yeah. Go get these page numbers. Yeah, crazy is what it sounds like to me. <laughs> uh, Chris, Chris Golaski's trying to do it. Yeah. So, but it's like, it's like, I want to do that now. It's like, now I just want to run ultras and higher yeah and occasionally fast fast case yeah. here and there i just like running ocrs man even if it's a long trail race i find myself just getting bored you know just the stagnant running i just like a good trail race unless it's a pretty trail race i'd rather just run ocr the only one i ever found i mean i got two plaques in the trails but i think the best one was palmerton 
it had the elevation, it had the downhill, but the views was like, it was awesome. Like you seen people coming up there. You look like ants. Like there, it was a lot of zigzags coming up and they looked like ants and hmm. it seemed like it would never end it. Cause it was, everything was so overgrown. Right. But it was like, where the hell is everybody? Then we get to the top, we had it straight away. And then that downhill was just the icing on the cake. Hmm. Yeah, if I go out there next year, I might give that trail race a, a go. Well, Brett, try the try West Virginia if you if you plan on doing that. Yeah, the scenery there is probably one of the best. Yeah, I'll definitely be there for sure this year. But uh, well, Brett, man, I'm out of questions, man. So uh, I guess we'll see you in West Virginia. You want to tell people where they can like follow you on Instagram and Facebook, man? Uh, Brett Milks for Facebook and. Um, love and paint OCR and Instagram. Cool, man. Well, hey, hey, Brett. We'll see you in West Virginia, brother. Indeed. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Brett again for taking the time to talk to us. And like I said, if you see me at the race in Newberry this weekend, come up to me and say what's up. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and we'll see you at the next race, which is this weekend at Newberry. Peace. <laughs>